0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Welcome to the OC Bitches ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Bye, bitches. Oh my gosh. Okay, so everyone, please welcome to the OC Bitches. This is season four, episode 13. I am so excited to be here um, because, um, well, my other long lost daughter, Willa Holland, is here. She's our guest today. Unfortunately, Rachel couldn't be here. She's actually on a plane. So um, she'll join us later on when we go through the actual episode. But I wanted a mommy-daughter day. So we're having a mommy-daughter day, okay? (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay, that's adorable. I mean, it's pretty It's pretty good for the episode. It fits. Yeah,
0: right? Okay, so you all know our guest, Willa Holland, as the iconic Caitlin Cooper. But after the OC, she went on to shows like Gossip Girl and, of course, Arrow, and films like Legion, Straw Dogs, and Tiger Eyes. She's also the voice of Aqua in the video game Kingdom of Hearts. And I'm so glad she is here. And I really, really missed her. You, sweetheart. Welcome, Willa. Thank you. <laughs> I cannot believe... You are this grown woman and literally I think the last time I saw you was 2010 at that Warner Brothers party. Do you remember? And you guys were, you were about to do Arrow and there was like fire yeah. walking over coals. Remember we all, all did that?
1: Yeah. That was at, at San Diego Comic-Con. No, no. That?
0: It was the Warner Brothers no, no. launch party for Warner that, that oh, pilot Oh hi on the lot. Yes, That's right. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. I hadn't seen That's
1: it. That's right. I remember that. There was Two, two firewalking situations that I, I was kind of mixing them up. But yeah, no, uh, that was, did we, we did that.
0: Yes. We all kind of, yeah, we did that. It was, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it sounds kind of dangerous, but it was safe. It was safe. But it was, it was actually kind of fun. Yeah. I can't believe it's been that long. So like 13 years, but I was kind of reflecting on the fact that you are just slightly younger than I was when I started the OC. Wow. Which to me is like, What? You're just this grown woman. So I really want to catch up with you, if it's okay with you. I want to yeah. know what you've been yeah. what you've been doing. And first, I mean, you come from such an interesting industry family. Your father's a cinematographer. Your mom was, is a ballerina. Your stepdad was Brian De Palma. I mean, you started modeling at the age of seven. And tell us how you got into acting and how all of this began, like what it was like for you as a child.
1: I mean, it all kind of started as early as I can really remember like my earliest memories are of being around sets or just you know costumes and design and just kind of seeing it all happen I was on the Mission Impossible set when I was god I was probably three or four years old but those are some of my earliest memories um so I feel like I've kind of always grown up around film and television. And it's just kind of something that's in my blood in a way that I can't really deny. And yeah, it's just something that in the beginning, I mean, I think my mom just kind of saw that I was really intrigued by it and kind of pushed me into it when I was really young. And I don't think any child wouldn't want to be in that, you know, glowing box and be on screen. So I was pretty enthusiastic about it. And the ball just eventually started rolling. Right. It took a little while though. It took quite, quite some time. I think the OC was kind of like my big, big break. So I've always kind of held it really
0: special in my heart. When I was doing a little research, I didn't realize, I mean, there was one sentence that said that you were like the child top model in the United States from seven to 11. I mean, you did a lot of modeling. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. I did a lot. I did, uh, Like for Ralph Lauren, I did Gap, I did Guess. I did like, you know, all those posters that are on like La Cienega Uh and like Beverly. I was on that. I was there for a couple of years, which was kind of fun um, to drive by it and see it all the time. Um, My mom had like huge blow up posters that she took from the Gap and the Guesses when they were done using them. She would like go and grab them from them (laughs) and like keep them in a shrine.
0: Um but, oh, I love it.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was the whirlwind of an experience. I remember she said the first one I ever did, I was supposed to be like eating Chef Boyardee and like running in the sand and like looking all cute, but instead I just looked like a gremlin, just like shoving things, getting it all <laughs> on my face and just <laughs> rolling in the sand. Um, but apparently
0: it worked. Oh my gosh. And then, <laughs> so you were... I guess you were actually 14 or 15 when you auditioned for the, for the OC. I
1: was like, I think it was the summer between when I turned 13 to 14. Um, So I remember I was just, yeah, I was like just getting into high school. I was doing my first year of high school, ninth grade. It was all kind of around that time. Like, I, I feel like the show starts around like October or something like that. November was when it started. So Yeah.
0: I was really fascinated by a young actress being as poised as you are, as mature as you are, but also playing the actual age of the character that you really were. I've met young actors who are like passionate like you. You have to have some passion. You really have to like it, don't you think?
1: Oh, no, I 100 percent agree. Um, Yeah, uh, it was it was a weird experience for me. I have to say being in high school and then also trying to juggle like attempting a career because. I mean, in middle school, I remember no one really believed that I was an actor because I didn't really have much to show for it at the time. So like when I was going for auditions or whatever, I mean, I don't really think that people really took it seriously or, or I mean, there because there wasn't anything to take seriously and I wasn't really popular in school. So I got made fun of a lot and people picked on me because I was like friends with all the boys that they had crushes on mm-hmm. and... It was just like this weird thing. And I remember actually they had like the hierarchy in our school had like their own versions of the OC and they used to like dub themselves the Marissa and the summer and like everything. And then uh, when I got it, it was, it was kind of nice looking back at that, just (laughs) just kind of remembering that they kept me out of that. And now I got to be in the real one. (laughs)
0: Well, do um, you remember auditioning, actually auditioning for it? Or do you remember? I mean, I guess Shailene Woodley yeah. actually auditioned as well because they were presenting Caitlin as this much more, you know, as a as a woman. Now I can call you a woman, although I still see you as my little 15 year old daughter. But, you know, you were Caitlin was presented in a slightly more sexual, you know, mature way. And, you know, as she op- the first time we see her, she opens the door. She's wearing this push-up bra. And Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you, were you comfortable with that? Or how, how do you feel about it looking back?
1: It was something that was all a very new experience to me. I remember that was like my first introduction to chicken cutlets, where they like push <laughs> your boobs up and everything. <laughs> um, and I remember them like saying that word and I saw them from afar and they literally looked like like raw chicken from right. like afar, and I thought in my head that that's what it was at first. <laughs> I was like, "That's what people do—they put raw chicken." And then yeah. I saw it like actually up close, and then realized it was like an enclosed thing. Yeah. But yeah, that was a a interesting introduction to you know my sexuality as a young girl. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I had probably dubbed into it a bit by that time already. I already had a boyfriend and everything, so it wasn't like. I was being pushed into something that I wasn't comfortable with, mm-hmm. but I think the chicken cutlets was definitely a. It was just an interesting thing at first. I I had never experienced them, and then all of a sudden, I was like in this tiny little schoolgirl outfit, and they were just like pushed up real right. high. But it looked cute, and uh, looking back at that introduction, um, I definitely understand the
0: reaction. Right. <laughs> Oh, I all. mean, it was such yeah. a great, you were such a great addition. And, you know, Rachel and I have been watching this show in with very, very, with very much detail and we're, mag, uh, you know, really magnification of like everything that's going on and why the show was such a cultural phenomenon. And and you were such a great part, a great addition, because Caitlin was really so different than Marissa, where there's Marissa was just like, she couldn't make a decision and she, was very vulnerable and very fragile and very broken. And Caitlin was like, if you, if it's a, you know, make a decision and stick to it. She's full of advice for everyone. Like sh- how she gained all this knowledge and became so wise is really, um, it's really just this great, gives such a great texture, um, to the show. And season four ended up being such a great one for you as well. Do you remember your first day yeah. on set? Oh yeah.
1: My first day, um, I mean it's all kind of mixed together the early parts but the first day the thing that I remember the most was uh I like got to walk down the halls and I got to see all the dressing rooms and I met Peter Gallagher right in front of my dressing room and he actually pulled me in front into mine and had like a private little one-on-one conversation and he just kind of sat me down and like prepared me in the best way that he possibly could for what I was walking into, which I really had no idea. I was, you know, 14. It was in the middle of the series. I think it was, you guys were already season three, like halfway through it already. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, the ball was already really rolling with you guys. And there was already a dynamic and chemistry and everything that I needed to kind of like fit myself into somehow. And he just, in the best way he possibly could, prepared me for all of that and that's one thing I'll never forget and I really really hold that very special.
0: Oh that's awesome. Like he said welcome you're yeah. meant to be here to pay, take your space yeah or something yeah. yeah,
1: I mean and also just like preparing me for what is to come cuz I had no idea, you know, just telling me that things were going to change and that walking on to the show is a responsibility and there's things that come with it and mm. or just you know that's just kind of prepping me for all that was to come. And, and he was right. He really, really, it was spot on.
0: Because do you you probably, probably don't remember the first thing you ever said to me? Well, it's not the first thing, but we were (laughs) hanging out and we were doing a scene. It was one of my first memories. And you were talking about, I think you were telling me that, that this is a big deal that I'm on this show. You know, I'm in high school and it's a big deal. This show is a big deal at my high school. And you yeah. were explaining to me. And then you said something. You said, my mom, Darnell, who tell her I said hello. But you said, my mom is Julie Cooper. <laughs> Do you remember that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I still hold that to this day. My mom fully is Julie Cooper. You were playing my mother. Um, but she, but in the best way
0: possible. She owns it.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. No, in the best way possible. It's, it's just a dynamic of, you know, the West Side culture and just kind of California culture Mm -hmm. that I think it gets underrepresented in some areas. It gets, you know, exaggerated in a lot of areas and it, you know, there's a lot of depth to the roller coasters that housewives go through. Mm -hmm. And there's a, just, there's a lot of things that, that come with this culture and the climate and just the circumstances, even though it's a beautiful beach and everyone looks beautiful, but there's a lot of pressures and a lot of underlying things. So I think the women are underrepresented in that area. And I, Julie Cooper got to kind of hold the candle to that.
0: In the beginning, because I was younger, I think I was 33 when we, when we did the pilot. Um, and, but they, I didn't know this, but they were concerned that I was too young and they wanted me to dress a certain way with hair and makeup. And I just thought that was, I, I felt so like, why are you try, guys trying to make me look so old? If you walk down the beach in Newport Beach, the moms and the daughters look the same. The kids are trying oh, to look yeah. older. The moms yeah. are trying to look younger. And I thought that, I mean, you and your mom, she beautiful. I mean, I love ballerinas and she's got this beautiful ballerina um, body and she's just so you guys look like sisters or could look like sisters. And that's what, you know, I want people to say you look like sisters, not like who's the mom, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that
0: happens. that happens. No, that's
1: definitely what what she wanted, and she got um, <laughs> quite a lot.
0: <laughs> I did read that. Um, you know, after the OC and Gossip Girl and Arrow and doing all these things, that I think you had a quote that said, "By the time you were eighteen or nineteen, you were just tired or needed a break." And did you feel like I? You've been working since you were so young, and you've just been nonstop working, and you needed a break. How do you reflect back on on that time now? Have you found balance?
1: I think that I definitely found some balance again. During that time, I mean, yeah, it was a little difficult transitioning from, you know, being young and then kind of having what seemed like a normal life and skyrocketing into um, you know, a very adult world where I was working mostly adult hours. I mean, it was kind of it was a little less because I was a teenager, but it still felt like the pressures of being an adult at that age mm-hmm. and so just eventually around you know 18 19 when the show ended and after I did a few more projects I just kind of felt that I needed a little bit of time to just attempt to be a teenager or myself or kind of find who I was and I think that time was really important for me, and I really do not regret taking that break at all. Um, And I think that it's important for people, you know, to take that time and to separate themselves a little bit from their work lives if it gets a little too chaotic, because you can kind of get wrapped up in it a little too much. So it it was good being able to separate myself a little bit from it and keep that as work and professional and have a personal life.
0: Shopping for clothes is a compromise. It often feels like I have to choose between saving up for an expensive luxury piece or settling for a cheap fast fashion item that won't last. That was until I elevated my closet with quince. With quince, I can get high quality, timeless pieces without paying that luxury price tag. Everyone needs a cashmere collection. And um, well, I like to build on mine. And I discovered Quince just a few years ago and I received one of their affordable and adorable cashmere t-shirts for Christmas. And ever since then, I've been giving Quince as gifts. Both Adam and CG got Quince just this last Christmas and I already have their gifts picked out for next Christmas.
2: Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweater for only $50, 100% European linen pants, for $40. Luxurious mulberry silk skirts at $60. Not to mention $50 Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar luxury brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you'll have them in your closet forever. I am such a huge fan of cozy comfort. I live in it and now I can live in it every day. With Quince, I love their cashmere sets. I have the pants, I have the sweater, and I'm ready to go warm, cozy,
0: comfortable. What's even better? Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premiums, eco-friendly fabrics, and finishes, so I can feel good about getting high-quality items that last longer.
2: Shop with Quince today and discover the affordable luxury you deserve. Right now, go to quince.com slash OC to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash OC for free shipping, 365 day returns. Quince.com slash OC.
0: Do you remember our director, Michael Fresco? He was one of the. Yeah. So he was, you know, he and I discussed, I, and I had these conversations with you constantly because I was really fascinated, to, you know, do. You know, I worked with Joey King when she was 10 years old and I'd worked with you, you know, Joey King was like, I just love being an actor. And Michael Fresco, I Remember, I remember him saying to me that, kids acting can be a form of child abuse if they don't want to be there, if they want to be a kid. And he said, and I feel awful. It's my job to get the day done. But when you're working with young people who don't want to be there, who don't have that quote responsibility that Peter Gallagher was talking about, there's 200 yeah. people and it's, this is their job and their livelihood. And you're, you are doing your part is what's that adult responsibility, but you're doing it as a child. So I feel like you're, I mean, my observation is that your upbringing and such, you understood the industry and knew it was required of you because you were just a absolutely professional and wonderful to be on set. But I also truly believe that if at some point you're finding, if you're not finding joy in what you're doing, you need to check in with yourself. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I w- I don't think it was that I wasn't finding exactly joy in what I was doing. I've always found joy in it. It's that I wasn't able to separate myself from it once I got back home. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, it felt, it felt like that was my whole life and that like it was consuming everything. And, and it was because it was, you know, consuming most of the time. And then once it was over, most of your energy was depleted uh-huh. and, I had never really got to have, uh, you know, a prom experience or any experiences like that. I mean, I had, you know, premiere experiences, which I guess you could say were <laughs> a little, you know, red, bigger, carpet, but yeah. red carpet experiences, but it still was, it was just, it was a lot different than just feeling like a teenager. And mm-hmm. I just needed to kind of revert back and almost just kind of, I don't know, just simplify things for a little bit so that I could manage as I went and and got older to, you know, just learn how to keep the balance.
0: Yeah, I know. And I think what's interesting is what people say, what the things that come out of their mouths are usually about themselves, because I found at some point I didn't have joy. And that was and that's when I took a break. And it was now I'm back to it with absolute joy. But it's like, am I tired? Is it like what what's the what's the imbalance going on? But I really yeah, I was always very interested in how you were doing as a young person. I was always on set all the time and doing that because at some point, especially if you have really, really huge fame, you're a commodity. The face, the body, everything is a business commodity. And it's like an all or nothing. And how do you find the balance? So. It's really, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, you've got a good head on your shoulder, son, because it can be an interesting uh, thing. I mean, I imagine at 15, you were instantly probably recognized, right? In public.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was weird. I mean, it, t- it was like a slow upbeat, but I remember like the first like couple of weeks, like somebody leaked my phone number and I kept oh. on getting like voicemails and like people just like sending people would call me and just have the the music playing like in the background Oh gosh! and like, just like saying weird stuff. I can't yeah. remember exactly what was going on, but, um, yeah, my phone number got leaked. So I had to change that. And then it was kind of like weird things like that at first before I actually got noticed. And then one of the times that I remember actually in the earliest, um, I was in Louisiana working on something different and someone like yelled across the street. We were like walking down bourbon street where people are usually pretty drunk. And someone yelled across the street, you killed Johnny. And (laughs) I did not think that that was directed at me. Um, until they came like running up to me and like grabbed me and were like yelling in my face for a second. And then we calmed her down and reminded her that he was a character and the guy who played him is very much alive and um, it's a show and yeah, um, that was an interesting experience. Oh
0: my God. I think
1: that was actually one of the first like real, like ones that I had gotten. Um, yeah. Cause I, I don't, think that I really experienced too much of that until like later on. But that was the one that like really stuck in my head. I don't think he could really forget that.
0: That's so funny because, you know, we've analyzed these episodes and not once did we ever say that Caitlin, boy, she killed Johnny. <laughs> like We <we've> talked <laughs> yeah. about Marissa's responsibility and, and, and Ryan's responsibility, but it never once did we think um, Caitlin had any responsibility in that. Oh my I gosh. mean, I
2: don't remember it
1: really seeming like it was her fault, but maybe looking back because she was she grabbed a, there. She I, grabbed
0: a bottle of tequila and said, let's go drink. But no, it was definitely right. not. Yeah, that's funny. But it is true. Yeah. That is one of the things that we've discovered when we started this podcast. It was like, well, what do people want to hear? And I realized, they want us to talk about these characters like real people, because that's what a water cooler show is. Did you hear what Caitlin and Marissa did last night? You know, it's that kind of it's that kind of thing, you know. So so what was it like watching this episode back? I mean, I I wish we could talk about all of your episodes and and we could in general. But um, how was it watching this back?
1: I mean, this one, I have to say this is one of the first times I've been able to actually watch an episode of something I've done all the way through because I, I never really watched anything mm-hmm. um I grew up kind of living by a rule that I I don't watch myself it just kind of made me a little uncomfortable it was one of the ways that I got to separate my like work and personal life was mm-hmm. just kind of like installing that rule r- really early on um but now kind of looking back at it. I think enough time has passed to kind of see it. And man, watching watching myself as a young kid was was weird. It was weird, but it was adorable. It was. I mean, I just wish I enunciated better sometimes. Of so just like, mm. wow, girl, just like open your mouth and enunciate. But I think it's cute, also. I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird feeling watching yourself when you're young. It's adorable and it's nostalgic, but it's also, you know. You feel for your younger self.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in this episode, just previous to this, the three episodes before, three or four episodes, you'd had this relationship with Will Tut, who was Chris Brown. Do you remember working with him? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's he was really, really sweet to me. And I actually ran into him a few times later on. And he was always so nice. And he, like, would come up and remind me about the whole situation and all that stuff. And, yeah, it was... It was a nice sweet time. He
0: was he was cute on the show. I remember him being really kind and polite and sweet. And yeah. I, I I didn't realize when when we had his first episode, I was like I remembered thinking like, "Oh, this cute kid. I saw him do some dance moves. I'm like, he wants to be a musician." Not even knowing that he was about to open for Beyonce and like, you know, how talented he was. Yeah. But um no, I mean, he's he's definitely gone on to different things now. So <laughs>
1: yeah, no, he was he was definitely talented and and showing it off quite a bit. But it was I mean, it was fun
0: to see. He was always dancing. Yes, always, always dancing in between takes. That's true. Okay, so let's read the synopsis for this one. And we'll just talk about a little bit about your scenes on this particular episode. As Valentine's Day approaches, Ryan worries the pressure will ruin his relationship with Taylor. Revelations, along with a psychic's dire predictions, cause Summer and Seth to question whether they are meant to be. Meanwhile, a competition to find Julie's true match is sparked between Team Bullet and Team Frank. And with a new baby on the way, Kirsten finds herself dwelling in the past. Written by J.J. Philbin, directed by our buddy Norman Buckley, and the original air date is February 1st, 2007. So... As we get into this episode, in the last episode, in fact, it was, I was like going, where's that scene? This is what happens when you're watching a lot of episodes. In the last episode, we found out that Caitlin's been emailing Bullet all these for a month and sending emails like, I love your butt. Love, Julie. (laughs) So as this as this open and that she discovered because some flowers came to Julie, she discovers that Julie's got some, you know, romance. But um, let's talk about working with Gary Grubbs. How fun was he? Because your relationship together is really, really sweet in this whole thing. Do you remember working with him? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Yeah. He was such, such a riot to work with. I remember work doing like, uh, you know, the whole ping pong scene and the plane stuff. We were at the Santa Monica airport. Yeah, it was it was a really fun day. I mean, yeah, he's just his energy was really easy to bounce off of. He was just
0: like a lively guy, you know. And he's a father and he's he's very much like that character in real life, I feel like. Oh,
1: and, yeah. No, I felt like he was very much like playing
0: himself. Yes. Yes. And calling you squirt and peanuts and peanut yeah. and, and and all that, because it's an interesting thing, like what Caitlin's going through and what she revealed, you know, over the New Year's episode just before this, she she notices Julie's like, you know, something's going on with Julie. And she's very you know, it felt like after Marissa passing that Caitlin kind of got She would say things to her mom like, you know, I'm alive here. Here I am, you know, because Julie was so self-centered and dealing with with, you know, trying to get revenge and everything. But every once in a while, you know, Caitlin is just navigating through life, really wanting, you know, she says, "I miss dad. I miss dad sometimes. Or I'm here, just like you know. Just remember. I think it's gross when you're off with these guys or your trainer in bed and and but on uh, but at the same time, she's at school trying to kind of advocate for the underdogs and smoking pot and just really beating to her own drum. But yeah, and this now because she's she really has gravitated towards." bullet because she does miss that father figure.
1: I mean, yeah, I think she, she's been through a lot in her young life and, you know, not having a father figure around probably definitely impacted a lot of that and a lot of the ways that she kind of turned into, you know, the little riot that she is, but she probably really gravitated to bullet because of, the um, stability that he could probably bring to her life or also the comfort that he could bring yeah. to both her life and to Julie's life, um, which I think is what they really wanted or she thinks that's what they really wanted and really needed at the time. Right. So he's kind of the one that could provide that.
0: Well, and it's, a, yeah, I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, clearly, <laughs> Julie's, <laughs> and just before this, you know, she was she makes out with the, you know, Caitlin has this thing for Spencer, her tennis instructor, and then Julie ends up like with him. I mean, they're literally in competition and they make this. I mean, their their relationship is very sweet. And actually, the more I'm talking about it, the more I realize like they're almost like sisters and a, oftentimes yeah. a teenager doesn't want their mom to be their sister. Be like, I'm your child and you're my yeah. mom. Start acting like it, please. Right. Um, I think that sometimes like my daughter's 23 now and she's like my bestie, but we, you know, she definitely was my child years ago and now she's more, you know, my friend. And I think there's a time and place where that's appropriate, but
1: yeah. And maybe this is kind of around the time that Julie and Caitlin are kind of figuring out the other side of that dynamic. They're kind of trying to balance it out a little bit more. Yes. And yeah, I think that, Caitlin just really wants, you know, as much as she maybe doesn't want to admit it, she wants just kind of normalcy and stability and structure. I think she kind of in a weird way, like rebels because she craves it and she kind of needs it. And she wants to feel loved and safe and secure and has probably not felt that in quite some time in, in that area and like kind of the father dynamic and after losing her
0: sister and everything. It's just
1: been a lot. So it's, it's not a surprise that she's really gravitating towards him.
0: And I feel like she's this character that is so strong and so self-sufficient because she had to be, she got sent off to a boarding school and, and whatnot, but, but nobody ever really checks in with her. Like, Hey, how you doing? So she's built up all this armor to be, like I said, I mean, all humans are survivors. And especially yeah. when, when push comes to shove and they're going to do whatever they need to become that survivor. But so that's why I think it re- is really, really endearing to see Bullet teaching her the two step or playing ping pong. And, you know, and also so now in this episode, she overhears Taylor because Taylor's figured out that um, Julie has a case of the Franks. But so she says, you know, uh, uh-uh, no, my mom loves the bullet and it's war, bitch. Yeah. yeah (laughs) which creates Um, this beautiful wonderful wacky thing that's going on in season four season four was definitely the more let's have fun and anything goes kind of season and so they create this wonderful competition
1: team bullet (laughs) team bullet versus team frank it was i mean it was a cute little episode a cute little dynamic i loved playing that i loved um having that that's all those scenes with Ryan and um, with Autumn and the limo and everything. It was it was
0: fun. Yeah. Now you could tell you guys are having a good time. You know, we've also you know, we've noticed sometimes where we're like, oh, we can tell like this person was kind of over it. I always said like we complain when we don't work as actors and we complain when we do because the hours can be long or something. Or maybe they you, yeah. maybe you're judging the material or this or the storyline or something. But there was something just so endearing about Ryan and Taylor coming together to help Frank and this whole thing of like team bullet and how she's like, well, so you get Julie, you know, Julie ends up in the limo because they take her away. And, but then Caitlin's like, mom bullets waiting. And in the limo, she says, you know, he's going to take you anywhere you want in the world, mom. And most kids in this situation would say, I don't care. I don't, I don't have any feelings for this guy. Frank, I want you with bullet. But Caitlin somehow says, God, I want my mom to be happy. And then lets her go back to Frank. I mean, how mature and beyond her years is she to actually say, I want my mom to be happy. Go ahead.
1: I mean, I think the whole reason that she is kind of campaigning for bullet is because she thinks that he can provide the most happiness for julie and that he can provide like the lifestyle and the security and all the things that she thinks that they need and they want or right. uh, and in comparison she's not really thinking about you know true love or anything like that she's thinking look how perfect the situation is mm. and look at how amazing our lives could be um In comparison to how hard things had probably been for them for some time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's not a surprise that she's really campaigning for it because in her heart, she really thinks that she's doing the right thing for her and she's trying to make her mom happy. Um, But um, unfortunately, she realizes that she's kind of overstepping and kind of pushing maybe the wrong relationship onto her mom.
0: It was a sweet thing. She says, you know, oh, what does she say? Will you settle if you can't be my stepdad? Would you settle for being my friend? And he's yeah. realistic in that he quotes Casablanca and he says, Peanut, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship with that iconic, you know, obviously when he was like that, I was like, "Why? why do they have to be at the airport? Oh, for that scene, just so they can have that mm-hmm. emulate that. So. It was really, um, yeah. there's, there's so many things in this, ep- this season, as it's coming to a close that really pull and tug at the heartstrings and give us as an audience watching it. that's how I'm watching this now, not as a member, but as an audience and a fan, it really does feel yeah. super satisfying.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, watching the end of that was, it was really sweet, mm-hmm. um, brought back a lot of memories that were really cute yeah I mean that episode I've always remembered as being kind of one of my favorites just because it was one of the ones that Mm -hmm. you really got to see like Caitlin shift and make like an actual adult realization and decision for her mom yeah Yeah, it was just it's it's sweet because she the whole time she is doing what she thinks is best for her she's She's trying to make her mom as happy as she can because she's seen how sad she's been, and you know she wants Bullet to take her on a plane anywhere in the world. And right? She realizes that that's not exactly what she wants.
0: It's amazing that I mean, you grew up in in different um, situations with different parent situations, obviously, and it's like it's so interesting that that teenagers have to make choices where they feel like they have to take care of their parents or they have to be, you know, at some point, you know, when they're really young, your parents are just like the world, they can do no wrong. And then at some point you're like, oh, my parents are just flawed human beings who have unresolved things as well. And, uh, and at some point, and then all of a sudden they feel they have to take care and of their parents at a young age. And, it's yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to grow up a little bit sooner than you have to. But that's also but that's also what teaches you and, and you learn from those experiences, I I would imagine.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. 100%. And I think Caitlin's kind of going through that. I mean, I think being at the boarding school and then being away kind of rushed her into some type of like, you know, adulthood and just the way that she handles herself. Um, I think that that kind of built that structure in her. But yeah, I think that she, there's a lot of room for growth for the girl. And right. that this was like a really good step for her.
0: Well, she is a true, you know, at some point, Julie says, you don't get it. Caitlin's me. Marissa is Jimmy. So and Julie, we know, is she might be down, but she's never out. So she's always a survivor. She's always going to move forward. And um, I really love the relationship that they've that they've come to at this conclusion. Yeah. Well, okay. So, well, we have a few fan questions for, for you to hear so that you can answer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hi, Rachel Melinda. This is Michael
1: calling from London, but I actually grew up in South Africa, which is when I would watch The O.C. in my teenage days. I loved, loved the show then. And my favorite character was Julie Cooper. I loved her so much that I would often go back and rewatch just her scenes. Um, <laughs> such an amazing character. And I really liked her relationship with Marissa and with Caitlin. But the question that I have for Willa today is uh, if she has any particular memory or um, working with Misha Barton, and if Marissa had lived, what kind of storyline would Willa uh, be interested in
0: seeing between um, Marissa and Caitlin? Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Michael. That's
1: a good question. I mean, working with Misha was sweet. I think um, you know it was it was a big whirlwind just getting onto the show in the first place. And you know, like I said, there was people in my school that like would call themselves her and call themselves (laughs) Rachel and call themselves characters on it. So it was it was like kind of a big deal meeting her when I was younger, and she was really sweet to me and. Um working with her was great. And the last part of his question was what do I think that they would be doing?
0: Yeah. What kind of storyline if what kind of storyline do you think you guys could if she hadn't passed away, what storyline would Caitlin and Marissa possibly be doing? I don't know, a love I, triangle. I mean, <laughs> oh god, something very no, soapy. I hope
1: not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe something soapy, maybe a love triangle situation. Um, you know, maybe
0: going to Berkeley. Maybe they
1: start a business together. Maybe Ooh. they go to Berkeley together. You know.
0: Yeah. No. I don't
1: know. I, ambitious stuff. Let's stay on the positive and ambitious. You're
0: right. Positive, ambitious, and <laughs> something to do with fashion, maybe, because your clothes—they were clothes—were yeah. super cute. I love them.
1: Some, some were amazing. Some were, I mean, when I look back at like the Y2K fashion craze and yeah. like how it's like in style now, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm in shock. <laughs> I'm in shock. You but wore a it's lot of like, like, they're not doing it all the way.
0: Right. The tunics or dresses over leggings and, but you were, yeah. you wore a lot of high heels. I noticed I was like, you were yeah. very, very high heels.
1: They made um, her wear a lot of high heels, a lot of chunky, chunky heels yeah. and a lot of like legging tunic situations, mm-hmm. like you just said, like yeah. that, that to me is what I remember about Y2K fashion. And when people are saying that they're doing it now, I'm like, you're not brave enough. You're <laughs> clearly not doing the thing. <laughs> um, got to commit. But Yeah, they got to commit to it. They really got to like put their hair and like do that crazy pompadour thing that we used to do up here. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can't remember why we used to do that.
0: You had the best hair. I was so jealous of your hair. And even watching it back, I was like, you had that like naturally, is your hair naturally wavy like that? Oh God, I wish. No, yours is more straight, right?
1: Yeah, mine, it tends to be more straight. I mean, I I can manipulate it to do some things, but (laughs) uh, this and that was all, I was with hot tools to kind of burn through your hair. But yeah. Yeah, no, she, she had some hairdos. Yeah. the Updos, updos were pulled really tight. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. We have another one from Callie. Hi, I have a question for
2: Willa. Um, who was your favorite actor to work with on set um, and why? Uh, thanks so much. I love the podcast and the OC is a masterpiece. Um, have a great day. Thanks, Kelly. My
1: favorite. Oh, that's hard. I I never like picking favorites because I feel yeah. like I like people for different reasons. You know, man. Um, I think people that are sticking out the most. Me, I don't think I could pick just one. Yeah. To be honest, um, I think it would be working with you was amazing. Working with just all the people that play the father figures, Michael Nori, Gary, like. They were all, Peter, they were just all so wise and just really taught me a lot at a young age that I think was really important because of the circumstances that I was under, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, they kind of, they just prepped me for a lot, which I, I really, really appreciate. And I think, I think it did a lot of good going forward. Yeah, I just I mean, everybody was so sweet. You had a really I mean I don't really have a
0: bad thing. You had a really great dynamic in season four with with Autumn. There was Yeah, the, Autumn you re- was so great. <laughs> do you remember yeah. that at the um the Thanksgiving episode where you have the little Chinese dog you named it uh, the
1: hairless guy the hairless
0: dog. Yeah, you named it yeah. little Julie and he called it um vicious or Or something like the name anyway, but, but cause you've just come back and you're just meeting Taylor and she's saying something crazy and, and, and Caitlin says something like, you are just weird and wacky and it's wonderful. And you guys end up having this great kind of, um, camaraderie that I thought was great for this, for this season four.
1: No, I, I really loved I mean, this was one of my favorite episodes, I think working on because of, you know, getting to play with that dynamic with her, um, I mean, looking back on it, it, it's so weird when you like look back at that time in your life, because I Mm -hmm. feel like most people, when they try to remember their high school's experiences, they don't really remember that much about it because there was so much happening at that Mm -hmm. time. It's kind of hard to like really remember it like your 20s. And I mean, looking back on it, and I am now kind of revisiting it for the first time. Yeah, it's just been really sweet getting to remember everything and remembering how nice everyone was.
0: I love that. Well, you have one more. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Melinda. It's Jamie from Chilliwack, British Columbia. Oh my gosh, we're getting into season four. Worried
1: about the podcast ending soon and trying to think of something else that you guys can do together. (laughs) And Rachel, of your love for Golden Girls, mine too. I'm thinking, why not revamp the Golden Girls? Everybody's kind of doing it. And uh, just wondering if, Willa, you would want to be included in that (laughs) and maybe giving Mishka a call or what sitcom would you guys like to bring back that you ladies could be a part of? Thanks for the podcast. Have a good one. <laughs> oh, gosh, I've never seen the Golden Girls. Or oh. Gilmore Girls? Which no, one was the Golden it? Girls
0: with B. Arthur and Betty White and Rue McClanahan. So,
1: I mean, yeah, definitely know of, but haven't really watched yeah. that much of it. Oh, what sitcom would I do? Friends. I mean, the biggest sitcom for me, it was either Friends or Will and Grace, to be yes. honest. That oh. was like, that was the pinnacle of my childhood. That was the only thing we had on It was just like all the like, Will and Grace tapes.
0: Oh, my gosh. I feel like those characters could fit right in. Caitlin and Julie, you know, she could go toe to toe with Karen.
1: Yeah. Caitlin. I actually found out that uh, Karen, ha- the girl who plays her, a Megan Malawi. Mo- Malau- Malawi. Yeah, Megan Malawi. She has a dog named Willa. Oh, Oh, that, um, I learned this really weirdly because I ran into the guy who
0: played Will. Sean um, Hayes. Oh no, Eric McCormick. Eric McCormick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see Caitlyn going up against fanning out on him. Yeah, against uh, just Jack. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. Listen, so That'd Rachel. A lot. Oh yeah. She just sent us a text. She said, "Willa, uh, I'm so sorry I couldn't make it today. She's getting on a plane." I would have loved to see your face and chat and hopefully we can catch up soon. So thanks for doing the pod. Of course. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I mean, it just is so great to catch up with you and um, say hi to Darnell. <laughs> I, I, I miss will. hanging out with her. <laughs> but... Um, oh yeah,
2: you guys
1: should get coffee.
0: We catch should. Up. Hopefully we'll get together for this 20th. Something should happen with some kind of celebration from what I've heard. So hopefully I'll see you this year soon. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yes. Okay, honey. Take care. We love you. It's so good to see you guys. Bye. Bye. Rachel has joined the podcast (laughs) and we're talking about Willa's last um, voicemail about if we did the Golden Girls and it was Summer, uh, Marissa, Caitlin, and Julie, who'd be who? So you're definitely Sophia. No,
2: like I don't care what character, anything I've ever done. I am Sophia, no matter what, because I'm obsessed with her.
0: I feel like I'm, do you think Caitlyn's Dorothy and I'm Blanche? No, I think Nisha
2: would be Dorothy before Caitlyn's Dorothy, honestly. Marissa, Hmm. sorry,
0: whatever. Marissa is not, oh, okay.
2: Marissa, we're going to put her as Dorothy, okay? We're putting Julia's Blanche 100%, (laughs) Willa is Rose by default, and I'm Sophia. That's all there is to it. I stand by my choice. I kind of like Dorothy for myself. For though. your for Just, Julie Cooper.
0: Oh well, okay, okay. Let's let's I, count. I, for, for, you know, for if Melinda. we go over
2: <laughs> for Melinda, that's fine. But if we go okay. over all the you know dudes Julie Cooper went through on the series of the show, there's no way you're not Blanche.
0: I you know you know what we remember when we talked about how many she kissed when we were talking yes. with Brandon Quinn. Yes, I was like there. I forgot. Like we didn't add Frank. And bullet, and and oh. also the the numbers of proposals between Caleb and Neil. Yeah, and, okay,
2: see, you're just supporting my case here.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so right.
2: bummed that I wasn't actually here to speak with Willa. Um, I obviously sent my love from afar, and it was unfortunate yes, that I had to miss it. But I'm so happy she That's came okay. on. And we had a mommy daughter day.
0: Yeah. yeah. Her, we kind of set it with mommy daughter. And yeah. I was just amazed. I'm like, she's a year younger than when I started the OC. So she's crazy. so poised and so beautiful. And Aww. it was so much fun. Yeah. And but, I love um, that her
2: favorite memory was shooting that scene at the Santa Monica airport with with uh, Gary Grubbs, because mm-hmm. at the end, when he quotes Casablanca to Peanut, I just it yeah. was, I was so touched. Was very, right, sweet, right. very sweet. Very
0: sweet. She actually really, she told a great story about um, when she first met Peter Gallagher and the, the advice and she said it meant so much to her. So Aww. anyway, well, you were missed, but you know what? We do everything we can to stay on schedule and bring you the guests Um, that need to be here to tell their story. So do you I mean, before we get into some of that, that was so much fun. The whole case of the Franks that was like this team bullet. And and it was fun to see Ryan and and Taylor kind of working. Let me ask you watching it. Did you feel
2: more drawn to team Frank or team bullet?
0: Well, like we talked about in the episode with Gary, I thought it was It's such a different Julie. Like, I feel like it's team. You're going to find out what ultimately happens at the end. I know Gary was talking about some of it, but there's um, she's really, really torn because Frank is. The opposite it's the person that she's trying to get away from. And then we see in this scene, you know, when Taylor was like, I need to work with something. They've got the money card. We're going to pull the emotional card. I need something, Frank. What is it? Mm-hmm. And because I'm working with a, an outlet who can't express himself and he can't, he's like, oh, she's pretty. And then finally he says, we're from the same world. Mm. And Julie's been spending her whole life trying to get away from this, that world. And for her to actually fall for someone and you know, I thought it was a really cute. There was a great scene between um, Julie and um, Taylor where she goes, "Can you imagine being with a bullet all these years, and you're going to be doing all this?" And she's like, "Fine, I have the cases." There was a big blooper there; I couldn't get that line out. But when she's like, she says, "And Ryan would be what does she say?" I'm Ryan would be worried for you, and she's like, "Huh? Imagine Ryan Atwood worried about me mm-hmm. because of his relationship, and he knows his right. dad is." Not the greatest guy. I mean, that's what he knows. But then Julie goes straight to him and says, "I've been with my share of bad guys. Your dad's not one of them." And Ryan instantly goes, "I'm on board." Yeah. (laughs) Well, quick, you were convincing. TV, TV time. Yes, but uh, but I was like, he's not a bad guy now. But Ryan has some pretty heavy, serious memories of him in the back. So, but once he gives in, it's it's a very sweet pursuit and. And I do love that they they gave it they gave it their all and and i and I thought it was so clever what they what they did, you know, yeah. trying to get her you know the hot toxin and all that kind one of stuff. one thing I want to
2: comment on about the whole setup and you know the team Frank side of things, Taylor driving the limo <laughs> like dumb and dumber was like the first thing that came to my mind
0: I was' yeah, miss Mrs. Cooper, oh my god cooper.
2: No, I I'm just obsessed with Autumn this whole season. She's just really killing me. But yeah, Dumb and Dumber know. is what came to mind.
0: Oh, we get to talk to Autumn again soon. I
2: know. Yay. I can't wait because I was not in person the last time she was there. Okay, so the whole summer. Okay, we're gonna I'm gonna blend because there's all these flashbacks, right? In this episode.
0: They spend so much time on these flashbacks. It's so much wild. time on
2: these flashbacks flashbacks. Now Casting wise, like the young summer, she has green eyes. I'm like I saw that. Okay, yeah. maybe not, but she, she was super cute. Did a great job. I'm like, all right, I'm flattered you picked like I'm flattered by this choice. Um the the Kirsten and Jimmy, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Jimmy was awesome casting. I think they're both really cute. They're both cute. Thought,
2: Jimmy, the I mean, more I looked at his face, I was like, "Oh, I see what th- I can see it." Like yeah. I saw it. I mean, there was
0: some there was some light because Tate has some has yeah, so much yeah. energy, and
2: Kirsten, you know, it's hilarious—the perm, like everything, like obviously the faces, but still, I thought they did a great job. Max Greenberg, who plays Sandy, finally we see him, which is awesome. Right?
0: right.
2: <laughs> is Bella Thorne playing Taylor?
0: That is the best casting of the whole thing, I thought. And with the with the big glasses, glasses. Her, <laughs> her eyes look this big, and yeah, yeah.
2: I thought that She's was the, Bella Thorne. I was like, it is, yeah. I wrote it down because it was like a thing because I remember hearing that and stuff, but it was so sad that she was like, "You can come to my birthday party if you give me your poem."
0: <laughs> well, can sad. we? Can, I mean, can we talk about the like the this, psychic the story? Well, the psychic, yeah, because it's like summer. We find out that Summer's been doing this blog. If you don't listen, you're gonna miss that she's been doing this. Otter know, about otter otters, about the right? Yeah. Because I was like, "What do you mean? Why is she going to be on TV?" And I had mm-hmm. to kind of go back and realize that that's what right. it was. But the psychic is another season four, it's kind of silly. But can you imagine if somebody said these things to you and everything came true like that? I mean, Just like that. This it's is hilarious. this is why we watch TV. It's hilarious. It's entertaining. It's yes. like how do these characters? Because it's fantasy. Like if this were to happen, how would this? How would these people react? And it's actually very clever because it makes them mix Summer and then Seth question like their destiny. Mm-hmm. And in fact, something I think I read somewhere that this episode was almost called The Destiny, but it became the case of the Franks mm. because you say it a lot. Destiny. I do. And you're because your destiny is going to be this George and right. the falling objects right. and Justin Terry. But there's something there's Psychic some very lady. specific things. Very yeah.
2: specific things. And they're all really funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. There was another funny scene when Seth is telling Ryan, he goes, so back in nine years ago, or whatever it was, seven, and, he, and Ryan goes, is this going to be a long flashback? Yeah, I was <laughs> laughing. It's like, this is telling the audience. He goes, uh-huh. no. And when he comes back, Ryan's left. He goes, what? You couldn't even hang out? for the, Yeah. For the... But his version of the story is this, you know, beautiful, idyllic
2: yeah. experience.
0: Right. And right. this sweet little girl, and she's my destiny. Yeah. And so when... He finally gives her. He walks in with Summer, right? Yeah. she's watching TV. Yep. On, on the, the I'm the on news. the news,
2: and so is this Justin Timberlake. He's bringing yeah. Sexy back to the bait shop. And how?
0: And just how does a small venue like that get big acts like Justin Timberlake? We'll answer that question coming in. <sighs> <up. laughs>
2: I mean, at that time, though, like when Sexy back dropped, like that album is such a time. Oh my god, yes. so many memories. I,
0: I remember getting invited during the OC. Remember the Avalon, you know, on yeah. Vine mm-hmm. and getting invited to go to one of his concerts for a red carpet thing. And Nicole put me in a in a
2: Hervé Leger. The band dress, yeah.
0: The Hervé Leger. Yeah. Herve Leger. Yeah. yeah. And um and I was walking and I invited two of my friends. Um, and as I walked in, he went, Hey. He and I was like,
2: <laughs> like, <we're, laughs> i
0: was like because well, wasn't he at McGee's at one point probably
2: well when he maybe when he was at a party Cameron? no he, I, can't I feel get like timing. he was at
0: one of McGee's parties i'm sure but, he was yeah and there was like that rumor that he was going to come on but he I, he looked i was like maybe he's just nice but he walked by and i was like oh my god he just my friends are like did he just say hello to you i'm like no i've never met him but um but i think it was during that time so that yeah digress <laughs> anyway, that was it. All yeah. well, <laughs> JT action!
2: Definitely <laughs> never hurt anybody. But
0: that's a that's a not a huge venue. That's actually a smaller venue, and it was amazing. It's like a bait shop. Yeah, a little bit, little bit bigger than that. But because it is a theater, comparable. but it's definitely it's a it's a club. <laughs> lots of lots of clubs. i there's a lot of celebrities you run into in that place. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yes. So um, all those things,
2: so all the things the psychic was saying start to happen, and then when that dude walks in, and she's like. Are you George? He's like, I'm Paul, but I work for George. I actually remembered watching when they said George. I was like, no, it stands for some like Greenpeace thing. I remember. Oh, you did remember I that? I did. Yay. I did. That's awesome. Thanks.
0: Because um, did you know who that guy was? No. That walked in? JJ's husband <gasps> is Michael Sure. Oh, my God. a show runner, creator, he created writer. created Office. Office Parks the, and Rec, I mean, Hacks. like Parks
2: and Rec, all these shows. I mean, the yeah. U.S. version. He show he was the showrunner, uh, right? One For of the yeah. office. one um, of the
0: showrunners, and the Office and Parks and Rec, and right now Hacks. You've that's got hi- that's him. Yeah, that was him. <laughs>
2: Man, if I could go back in time and be like, hey. <laughs> I like your shows. Want to put me on one? <laughs>
0: You'd be great on one of those shows. Oh, gosh. I gosh. I think those are the kind of... I mean, I would love to do a comedy, a single oh, comedy God, yeah. like that. That'd It'd be so, so much fun. fun. That's so funny. That, that's, I did not know that what,
2: little tidbit of information.
0: Yeah, that kept um, popping up in my little, little research. Yeah. But when Seth does visit Summer and he gives her... Because I for, this, I completely forgot... My brain wasn't that interested in, in the flashbacks. It's mm-hmm. weird. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to watch these other actors play us, although I might I wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. So when he hands her this framed, crumpled up piece of paper, I was like, that is the best gift. And what a coup that the writers have a summer go, yeah, I didn't write it. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Seth's world has been rocked. Yeah. And he rightly says, but my our legacy, everything I mm-hmm. built everything on is a lie questionable yeah. now.
2: Right. But I love what um Kirsten says to him when they're in the bedroom and they're having the talk. And she's like, it's not about, you know, the summer that you've I you know, idealized or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's the summer you know now. And like how many things has she done to prove to you, you know, that she is the right. one. And I thought that was it, a really good conversation.
0: And and because Summer asked she went to get photos from Kirsten and that's when she sees all these photos mm-hmm. with Jimmy and asks like, how did you know? I mean, mm-hmm. that becomes her kind of her, her theme. Like who, what if he, what if you're my Jimmy? What if I haven't found my Sandy? Mm-hmm. And so you're both questioning. And I think that's such a smart thing to do at that age. I mean, you, were, so you young. were young, mm-hmm. you were young ending a relationship. I mean, at some point you're kind of like, I don't know if this is something when you're young. I wish I'd had more time to myself when I was young. Yeah. I, I went from one boyfriend to another to another. Yeah. I didn't have no, as my, much time. All my, my entire 20s, I was just in relationships. Yeah.
2: It's a shame. Getting it out now, though. <laughs> let me tell you. I'm <laughs> um, no,
0: I think it's smart for them to do that. Yeah. And, uh,
2: and so she but, and, the, you know, she makes in the collage. Like she goes to get the pictures because she's all the greatest couples throughout time. When she gives Hillary the collage, and Bill Clinton. Yeah, I'm like looking at some, like Lucy and Desi, like, I feel like their real backstory on them, like, you know, it wasn't the most harmonious relationship, like all but <laughs> once. Um, I forget who else was on there.
0: Seems... It was Hillary and Bill, Fred and Wilma. There was, there was, I, but my eyes kept going to Hillary and Bill. <laughs> I, I just kept <laughs> seeing Lucy.
2: Uh, she's my idol, but, um, yeah. And then the middle's left for them. And it's like, well, the destiny might not be able to see each other. And obviously this is setting up for summer to go on this uh, adventure.
0: You know, I think when, when Seth comes in and he says he's got resolve after talking to Kirsten, he says the absolute, and maybe Parker, you could insert the speech right here because I think it's the, my favorite speech of all, all the speeches. Okay, I admit it, I put way too much stock into that poem.
2: But I'm not the girl that you thought I was. You're not. You, Summer, are better. See, back then you were just this fantasy or this little girl
1: who,
0: when I would see, you would either ignore me or make an obscene gesture and keep on walking.
2: Yeah, I kind of remember that, sorry.
0: But now look at you. You fight for sea otters, you've befriended Taylor Townsend, your incredible mom to that bunny.
2: I guess I have changed.
0: You've evolved. And over the last 950 days, we've been dating. And Yes, I've counted. And yes, I counted the Zach era. Because really, who are we kidding? I've watched you grow into this incredible woman. And that is who I love. Adam wasn't dialing. Or he wasn't just, he was playing that scene very, very well. It was a sweet, sweet monologue.
2: You know the scene where, he's, where he does bring the framed poem and they're talking about the one and all that? I was trying to think in my mind. If we were already broken up in real life at this point, because I could feel the disconnect. And I'm kind mm. of thinking that maybe now from here on out, I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Maybe it was just a phone it in well, kind of thing. Well, you guys
0: may have had some stuff going on behind the scenes, but we weren't aware of it yeah. until um, I'm trying to figure like it the out last I'm episode. Watching. Yeah.
2: Definitely the last episode. I can say that yeah. for sure.
0: Um, but but yeah. no, you can take things like, you, so I said to somebody the other day, I'm like probably an agent or manager. I'm like, e- I've lived life. I've lived a lot of life. And I've got a lot to offer um, acting-wise because right. that's what we go through is what we can put on screen. That's right. You know?
2: Give me but, a death scene and I will crush it. But, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but no, there's this wonderful, wonderful speech that he has and and tells her, because you, you were like, because Summer's like, I ruined it. I ruined everything. And mm-hmm. he's like, actually, no, you were one way. I thought of you as one way, but what you really are is incredible. You're saving otters. He lists everything you're doing and you're just this amazing woman. So that was very, very satisfying. Yeah. But, um, Oh, I wrote here, sorry. I wrote best speech ever. And he was like, I count the 950 days. He goes, because who, who are we kidding? Um, because he says, um, and I count the Zach days, because oh, really, yeah. who are we kidding? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. It, and also, your job is to go travel and and in, encourage voting mm-hmm. prior to 2008. So that's actually a really important um, offer, remember? So a Barack would have been...
2: I'm like, why? What was 2008?
0: <laughs> it was a pretty pivotal. Oh, yes. I remember when that happened. Election. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember when that happened. I do.
2: I remember where I was. Very pivotal. You are correct.
0: Kirsten, can I just talk about really quick Kirsten's little, um, she really is having this flashback thing where she starts going through photos of Jimmy mm-hmm. as well. Like mm-hmm. she goes back to it, I guess. Mm hmm. And I posted on Instagram a little bit back of this. And, she, and if you if you blink, you miss it. And you see these pictures. Yeah. And there's this picture that Kelly, Peter, Tate, and I, I don't know if they asked oh, Tate to Oh, I saw come when you in. posted that. Yeah. And it's a very quick photo of them just to show us, I guess, with baby Seth and baby Marissa. Uh-huh. And I just remember, I remember telling them, like, I remember that I used to have these very unplucked eyebrows Mm -hmm. and I did my eyebrows just like I did in high school. Like, that's what I look like in the 80s. -hmm. And I thought it was so clever. Yeah. So that's where that is. Yeah. That's
2: really funny. Yeah. That picture. I remember when you posted it. Very 80s.
0: (laughs) But Sandy gets a little bit like, he's like, what's going on? He's like, oh, she says, I'm looking at some photos of uh, Seth Seth as a baby. And he... Turns out that it's Jimmy. And it's a really big deal because when they're out to dinner, um he's like, What's going on? And and she's, does it have anything to do with Jimmy? And she says, Well, let's go home and talk in private. Yeah. That sounds kind of like, whoa. Right. But they're but we're wrapping up this storyline, mm-hmm. which is and which is one of the great things about that I've been reading, and I think. Collectively, people believe this is that the OC wrapped up really, really well, mm-hmm. knowing it and it was so satisfying. Yeah, right. Not yeah. leaving. So she. So we're wrapping up that storyline that was indicated that she'd had an abortion, mm-hmm. and they do all of this without ever using the word abortion. Right. I guess Josh explained that we can't do that.
2: Yeah, and you see that she breaks up with him because you know she was pregnant, and she does. She goes to get the abortion, and Jimmy obviously didn't know. Mm-hmm. about it and she's going to Berkeley and that's
0: yeah why and it and sounded it's like it you know a lot of times we leave the audience like television tends to spell everything out but sometimes you just paint a, a subtle picture of it. not only was she pregnant and wanting to when she chose to not keep it but moved to Berkeley there was a fundamental change mm-hmm. in not being with not continuing with their plans from high school. Mm -hmm. And so it led to something. So, and, you know, Sandy of course was, you know, very sweet. He's like, no, how come you never told me? And she said, he goes, part of it was timing. When I met you, it'd been a month Mm -hmm. and then it just didn't really mean, you know, or, and he was so kind about it, you know, but you know, that's when she says, I didn't, we tried so many times. And we couldn't do it. I thought it was karma. And he says, and now, you know, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to not blame yourself for things like that. So there were some wonderful messages. In yeah,
2: there. I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I really enjoyed this episode.
0: There were some really wonderful things. It was great to see Willa. One of, yes, I, I love actually, I love to see that, that little, Julie's got good problems, put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not, not any bad problems. Not so any
2: bad problems.
0: When you learn to not be selfish and you learn to give love, man, she's getting it back in tenfold. Well, I guess that's it, guys, uh, for yeah. that episode. Thank it's you, been... Willa,
2: so much for coming on the podcast. and Yes. Taking the time, girl.
0: Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to watch us, check it out on YouTube. And you can now listen to bonus features as well as season one and season two of The O.C. Bitches by going to castmedia.com slash cast plus. That's cast with a K, media.com slash cast plus. Bye. Bye, Rachel. <laughs> Bye, bitches.
2: <laughs> Welcome to The O.C. Bitches is brought to you by Cast Media. Executive produced by Colin Thompson, Harris Lane. Produced
0: by Katie Kurtwright. Edited by Parker Flores and our technical engineers, Travis Holden and Dustin Park.